welcome to the well here at STSA, a dark place where light things will hopefully happen very, very shortly. <laughs> Someone will get that light in a second. All right, it is Daylight Savings Day, the wrong one. So because it is everyone's least favorite day of the year, everyone knows it because why they don't do it on a Monday or a Tuesday or a Wednesday, why they pick on the churches. We're in a fun mood today. So how about we start off this, this session here today with a joke? You guys want to hear a joke? A good joke about prayer because we're doing a series about prayer. Once upon a time, there was a pastor who wanted to take a Sunday off. You sometimes, you want to take a day off? Believe me, we sometimes want to take a day off too. So what this pastor decided to do was call in sick when he wasn't 100% sick. And before ye judge, okay, ye who's without the sin cast the first stone. You've never done that in your office. We've all done it sometime. So this pastor decided to just call in sick, say he can't make it, and took the Sunday off. And what he wanted to spend his Sunday doing was he went out and he went hunting. Loves to go hunting. He spent the day out hunting. Well, while he was hunting, he at some point in time, he tripped on something and he fell and his gun went flying and he ended up breaking his leg so he couldn't move so he's lying there on the ground his gun is you know like a hundred yards away or whatever it is he's out where he can't get past like any cell phone service and now he doesn't know what he's gonna do so he's a pastor so what does a pastor do he prays and he says god please send help and he hears a rustling through the forest this must be the help and he sees a bear but he's a man of faith and he says you know what this bear must have been sent by god to save me so he begins praying god ye he sent you who sent the bear make the bear a believing christian bear and let this bear to deliver me and save me and bring me back home so he notices the bear approaching him again he's got no gun he has no way to defend himself He's only got one weapon on his side. He's a pastor. He knows how to pray, and he also knows how to preach. So he starts preaching to the bear. And he says, if God's going to answer this prayer, I'm going to preach to the guy so he knows what it is he's going to believe in. And he's preaching. And the whole Sunday service that he missed out, he preached that whole service. And the bear's sitting there listening very attentive. The bear, like, walked up to him, and he's listening. And he's talking verses, and the bear's, like, nodding his head. And the guy's thinking, like, wow, this is incredible. God totally just did a miracle. He then invites the bear to accept Christ. And the bear agrees. And then he tells the bear, you should say a prayer on this day. So this is the day you accepted Christ. So the bear reached down, grabbed the, the, the hands of the pastor and said, Lord, thank you for this food, which we are about to eat. Welcome to the series called Building Blocks, A Life of Prayer. We're talking about how prayer is not just an act we do. Prayer is a house that we build. And what we're doing in this series for you just who are tuning in right now is every week we're talking about a different room in this house of prayer because prayer is supposed to be a life that we live, not an act that we do. And they're just like in your house, there are different rooms for different purposes. In the house of prayer, there are different types of prayer for different purposes. Someone help, someone help refresh my memory. In the first week of this series, we talked about the first type of prayer was the family room of prayer, and that was called simple prayer. Very good. And that is cast all your care upon him for he cares for you. That is whatever is on your heart, whatever is on your mind, ordinary people bringing ordinary requests to an extraordinary father. There's nothing we can't pray about. There's nothing we can't talk to God about. Anytime we want to pray, we can go to the father and say, 
I'm your son, I'm your daughter, and cast all our care upon him. That's the family room. That's the relaxing room. That's the easy room. But then last week we moved to the living room, the place that's a little bit more form formal, and that was called structured prayer. And we talked about how, yes, we can cast all our care and we can pray anytime. We can pray while we're sleeping. We can pray in the shower. We can pray where we're driving. We can pray anytime we want. But if we are going to grow in the image of God, and we're going to restore that image that has been distorted within us, we need just the same way. When our body is distorted, we need to go on a disciplined, structured approach to get it back in shape. We need to exercise when we need to, not when we want to. We need to push ourselves with what we eat. We need to get our bodies back in shape. Well, our souls need to get back in shape too. And the way we exercise our souls is through prayer. That's where the stuff happens. When we're in the presence of God, that's when we're transformed. So what we said last week is we need set times of prayer and we need set things to say. It's good to pray when we want to. It's better to pray when we don't want to. It's good to communicate what's on our heart. It's better to communicate what's on God's heart. And that's what we talked about last week. This week, we're moving from the living room over to the office, the study, the den of the, of the house, which is usually a place, if I say to you the office, if I say to you the den, you automatically picture a place of quiet, a place with probably bookcases and stuff happening, okay, like all kinds of, 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 of shelves and things like that, and it's a place of quiet and study, and the office in the house of prayer is no different we're gonna speak about praying, there we go, praying through scripture. And we speak about praying through scripture. You cannot talk about prayer without talking about scripture. They're two sides of the same coin. They both have to go hand in hand. Here's the verse that kind of sets the tone for us here today. This is Numbers chapter seven, verse 89, about a time where Moses was going into the tabernacle to pray. It says, now when Moses went into the tabernacle of meeting to speak with him, so his goal was to speak with him, he heard the voice of one speaking to him from above the mercy seat, thus he spoke. So far we've been looking at prayer as us talking to God, but true prayer is a dialogue, it's a back and a forth. In this story, in this verse right here, Moses came in to God to say, God, I have something I wanna share with you, I wanna cast my care upon you. Maybe he wanted to pray for guidance, or maybe he wanted you know, help with something, or maybe you know, there's just something on his heart. He came in to talk to God, and before he knew it, God was actually the one talking to him. And my house, it plays out like this. Here's daddy sitting in his office and dad's working away. And anytime the kids need anything from dad, they know we can't find dad. He's usually in the office. The, dad, the kids come in and say, dad, you got a minute? Sure, come on in. And then they begin with, can I? Can I? And it's, can I have this? Can I do this? Do I have to do this? And they're coming in with a request for me. And then if you ask them, they'll tell you this quickly. Can I, their request transforms into that to mom or not doing this in school. And why is your room again like that? They start with, hey, I want this from dad. And it ends up with dad saying, hey, I want this from you. Same thing happens in prayer. Praying, casting all our care upon him, that's the best. Structured prayer, fantastic. We bring before God and we, that's the best. But prayer is a dialogue. And it has to have a other direction as well. And that's what we're talking about today. So we're talking about praying through scripture and praying through scripture to me is three components. It's listening, okay? It's meditating, and it's responding in prayer. It's listening, and I could have put reading, 
But the reason I didn't put reading is because I want to make a distinction between reading, like just reading a historical book, like reading a novel, like I'm just reading, and I want to say I'm listening, and I'm listening through the words, okay? So my starting point is I'm listening to what God has to say, and then I meditate on it, and then I respond in prayer. Listening, meditate, listening, no problem. We know how to read. Responding in prayer, that's what we've been talking about for the past couple weeks. The part that gives us a little bit of pause is that middle part, that meditating. I say meditating. Some people have like an allergic reaction to meditating. Say you need to meditate. No, 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 I can't do that. That that hocus pocus mumbo jumbo and stuff. No, I don't know how to like stare at a dot for like an hour and you know, mm, and you, I, I don't know how to do that stuff. Like I ain't never been on the top of Mount whatever with them. No, I'm not, it's not me. I'm just not, that's just not me. Before you say that you can't meditate, I'm gonna explain what it is in, in a second. Before you say that you can't do it, do you even know what it means? I bet you that if you think about it, you're much better at meditating than you realize. You know why? Meditating just means to think about something over and over and over and over and over and over and over. Meditating on a verse means to look at it and think about it and think about it and just keep it running through your mind. What is it called when you think about something over and over and over and over and over? Like for example, I have this problem in my life. I can't believe I have this problem and this problem and this problem and I don't know what I'm gonna do without this problem. What's that called? That's called worry. What's it called when you say, I don't know what's gonna happen to my health, I don't know what's gonna happen to my future, I don't know what's gonna happen to my career, I don't know. That's called worry and we're professionals at it. And we're very, very good at worrying about all kinds of stuff. We worry about our health, we worry about other people's health. We worry about our future, we worry about our career. We worry, 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 worry. Well, I'm telling you that meditate means just to worry about what God says, not about your problems. Some people are so good at worrying. I've had people tell me this, and not more than one person, that when they have nothing to worry about, that worries them. Don't tell me you don't know how to meditate. If you know how to worry, you know how to meditate, because all it means is simply to think about something over and over and over. The verse that I think of was Virgin Mary, mother of God, said the, said the following about her in Luke chapter two. This is at the very beginning of Christ's life, when Christ was born and all kinds of things were happening, and angels over here, and virgin birth over here, and Bethlehem, and, star, and all kinds of things were happening. And it says, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. That's what meditate means. She didn't just see it, be like, wow, that was, that was strange, and move on. She pondered them in her heart. She stopped. You know what you're driving? Okay, on the scenic route, and it says, you know, uh, a viewpoint right here. That's what Mary did, and that's what meditate means. It means you're driving through life, and you're reading through the Bible, and you gotta read, you gotta read and then all of a sudden you get somebody, ah, pull over, take a picture. Like, remember this place. Like, don't rush through here. That's what meditate means. You know, the word for meditate in the Bible comes from the same word, same root word as regurgitate. Y'all know what regurgitate means? Regurgitate means when the food goes in, goes down, and then comes back up, chew some more, and then go back down, and then decide, you know what, let's bring it out for another taste again, because it was so good the first two times, and you chew, and you chew, and you chew, and it's this process of chewing, swallowing, re-chewing, re-swallowing, back and forth. You know who does this? Which animal does this? Camels do it, but also cows do it. 
It's called chewing the cud. Have you heard this expression? I'm going to show you a video. If you've got a faint stomach right here, watch out right here. This is what it's called. All right, the food goes in. And this is just a couple pieces of hay. And this video goes, we're not going to watch the whole thing because it goes on for like 10 minutes of him just doing this, not adding anything new. He's chewing it. He's rechewing it. Some is going down the pipe. Some is coming back up the on-ramp. It's coming back and forth. There's two-way traffic going on right here. This is nasty. This goes on for like 10 minutes. Y'all want to keep going? Is this enough for us right here? This is enough? Y'all, some have, some have enough. Some have, this is good enough for you? This is a disgusting depiction of what meditating on Scripture is like. See, he's going back for more right now. Back again. He didn't put anything in his mouth. So you're thinking, where's the food coming from? It's coming from the reservoir down inside. I'd say that's enough. Okay. When I think of meditating on scripture, I look at the Bible and I see this story in Luke chapter 10. Of, you all know the story of Mary and Martha. When Mary and Martha, Jesus visited their home and Martha was the one who went about serving and preparing and cooking and, 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 and. And Mary just sat at Jesus' feet. And it says, Luke chapter 10, verse 39. And she, being Martha, had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. And after this, Jesus was approached by Martha, saying, tell my lazy sister to get up and help me in the kitchen. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. Leave her alone. What she's doing is good. What's Mary doing right here? How do you picture this scene? Do you picture this scene that Jesus came and said, okay, Mary, sit down. Here's 17 points on why you need to live a holy life. Or here is a, a lecture about uh, what I'm going to say. Or do you, how do you picture this? You know how I picture it? I picture Mary sitting at Jesus' feet and saying, Jesus, why is it that the Pharisees make you so angry? Jesus said, oh, you know, it's because of this and that. And they're kind of taking the letter, but they're missing the spirit because of love. And then Mary's saying, oh, can I ask you another question, Jesus? Tell me about John the Baptist. What was he like? People speak very highly of him. Why was he, why was he your forerunner? And Jesus shared. Ah, oh, okay. Jesus, David seems so special to you. What was so special about David? Why did you choose David, not Saul? I picture a back and a forth. I don't picture a rush. I don't picture a, here's the handout, fill in the blanks, go. I picture it that every time she's like, oh, okay. But Jesus, can I ask you another question? This is what we're supposed to have with him. This is what it's supposed to look like. And yes, she had the advantage that he was there in person. Yes, I understand that. But it's a little bit harder for us to make tangible because he's not there in person. But this is the model. This is what we're aiming for. It's a back and a forth. It's a dialogue where he says, and then we respond. And then he says, and then we respond. It's a date like we talked about in the first week. A date is not like, sit down, Marianne. Here's everything on my agenda for this week. Now you say everything on your agenda. And then we pay the bill and we go home. It's a back and it's a forth. It's a discussion. And scripture is how we make God tangible to us even though he's not in the flesh as he was back then. I'll show you a verse from Genesis chapter 18. God is speaking to Abraham, and Abraham's having this back and forth with him. And Abraham is telling him, like, God, what are you going to do? And why are you going to do this? And he's talking about, you know, the Sodom and Gomorrah and all the different things. And God says this, Genesis 18, 17. Shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm doing? Like, God is saying to us, this isn't hide and seek. It's not like, guess what I want to tell you? Wrong. Like, God, try. Like, I'm going to be hiding. It's not hide and seek. God is a father. You know every father's favorite question? You want to make your father's day, you ask him the following question. I told you all this before. 
tell me more. Every day, any subject. Dad, what was high school like? Tell me more. Every dad. Like my kids come and say, tell me more. Like they have a captive, like anything they want. Because every dad loves, tell me more. Praying through scripture is us going to God and saying, God, tell me more. Like we just read this story in the Bible. But instead of going on in my day, God, tell me more. Go deeper for me. And God says, I don't want to hide from you. I want to share stuff with you. Like you're my son. Like I brought you into this world to make you successful, to give you. And I got the path to success. It's not hide and seek. It's my greatest desire to give you. And I just wish that you would be desiring to listen as much as I'm desiring to share. Three key benefits, okay? And I'm gonna go through these super quick, okay? Because you you're gonna elaborate, elaborate more on these in your life group throughout this week, but three benefits. Why we need scripture to pray, why we need to pray through scripture, why we need this room in the house of prayer. We're gonna go through these real quick. Number one, attaining the mind of Christ. The key to attaining the mind of Christ is praying through scripture. The key to attaining the mind of Christ is praying through scripture. Last week, we talked about how our goal for life is to be transformed into the image of God. That's my goal. That was Romans 8, 29, that he predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. Here I am, here's Christ. My goal is every day get closer, okay? And then I know I'm done when I'm here. When I think like he thought, when I treat my parents the way he treated his parents, I do everything like Christ. That's the goal, here to here. What's the biggest element and your ability to transition from where you are to where he is, is your mind. That's the number one element. This is the area we struggle the most. Not so much our actions, but our mind. Because it's our mind that dictates our actions. Every behavior comes from a belief or a thought in some way. We need to transform if we're going to become like Christ. Our worry, our anxiety, our fear, our lust, our hatred, our judging. Need I go on? We need to transform these things. And the only way to transform here is through the word of God. St. Paul says it this way in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. St. Paul says that if you want to get in shape, you ain't like Christ. This is the muscle that you need to exercise the most. And the way you exercise this is through the word of God. Now, how does that work? I've given this example before. I think it's a very important analogy, way to understand how you transform your mind through the word of God. How does reading a story about Moses praying transform the anxiety or the fear or the lust or the prejudice or the judging? Like, how does that story have anything to do with this? Well, I look at it this way. Imagine you got a big bucket. You got a big bucket, a bucket the size of this stage, and it's full of water. And you would like to empty that water bucket. How are you going to get all the water out of that bucket? There's two ways that I can think of. Okay, not using any technology. Don't drill a hole in it. That's obviously the easy answer. Okay, how are you going to get all the water out of that bucket? First thought is, I need to pick it up and dump it. But if the bucket is truly the size of this stage and it's this high, are you going to be able to pick it up and dump it? Are you have enough strength to do that? Like that would work. But that's probably going to leave you very, very exhausted and not very successful. What's an easier way to get all the water out of that bucket with no effort? If I take a rock and I throw in that bucket, what's going to happen? A little bit of water is going to splash out. You're going to say, okay, but 99.9% .9 of water is still in there. I say, okay, next time put another rock in. And another rock and another rock. And what happens if I'm committed to every single day for the next 10 years throwing one rock in that bucket? What's going to happen by at the end of 10 years? That bucket is going to be completely empty of water. 
and full of rock. That's what the word of God is. Every day, sit with the word of God. And we put a little bit of God in you. Not that everything changes overnight. But maybe a little bit of worry just jumped out. And the next day, we throw another word of God in there. Maybe a little bit of judgmentalness kind of went out. A little bit of pride the next day. A little bit of lust the next day. Every single day, we put the word of God in. It doesn't, like I said, I told you all this last week. God sometimes works in thunder and lightning. And sometimes, yes, absolutely. But the majority of the time, he doesn't. The majority of the time, he works spiritually the same way he works physically. By small, incremental change through consistent habits. And we talked about last week the habit of structured prayer. Now we're talking about the habit of putting the word of God in. Every single day makes a little bit of a change. I'm gonna ask you this question, you answer yourself. What is it that you, what rocks are you putting in your head? What are the thoughts you're putting in your head? Tell me how much word of God is going in there compared to how much TV is going in there. How much music is going in there that's probably not very beneficial. How much of the, 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 the video games and the social medias and the, 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 the tweeting and the Instaface or whatever it may be, okay? How much of that stuff is going in there? Well, I'm telling you that whatever rocks you put in are eventually going to dominate your mind. So what are you putting in there? Don't be surprised that if you put garbage in, I used to be a computer programmer, computer programmers, garbage in, garbage out. You put garbage in your head, don't be surprised when the only thing that comes out your mouth only thing that comes out your, your, your life in the end is garbage. Number one, key to attaining the mind of Christ. Number two, key to aligning with the will of God. And this is super important for us in prayer, key to aligning the will of God, because one of the things we talked about last week or the week before, I don't remember which one, I think it was the, the second week, about one of the main obstacles why we don't pray is because prayer doesn't do anything. Prayer doesn't do anything, like it's ineffective. And that's strange because there's so many verses in the Bible that talk about ask and you'll receive. Like, and whatever you ask in my name, you will receive it. So why is it that there's so many verses that say ask and you'll receive and then we end up getting nothing? Well, there's the, there's the, the loophole, okay, which is that you have to ask according to God's will. Okay, and that's the loophole that we hate, okay, because that's, the, that's the, kind of the catch-all when you didn't get something. Well, it wasn't God's will. It wasn't God's will. It wasn't God's will. If God's will is the key to answered prayer, how do you get to God's will? Look at this, John 15, seven. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. This is how this works. The goal of prayer isn't for God to give me what I want. Even though it says right here, if my words abide in you, you'll ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. The goal isn't to get what I want. The goal, watch me on this one. This is kind of tricky, but you can get this, you're smart. The goal is when I stand to pray, I'm not praying just for what I want. What I want becomes what he wants. Or let me change that, let's say the other way. What he wants becomes what I want. The goal when I pray, and that's why we talk about this expression in Christ. The goal when I pray is to stand in front of the Father and what he sees is Christ, not me. So when he sees me standing up praying, okay, Christ prays for the salvation of souls. Christ prays for the lost in this world. Christ prays for the sick. Christ prays for the injustice. Christ prays for unity. What are you praying for? I'm saying that sometimes, you know why we're not getting stuff in prayer? Can I be honest? Because in prayer, not we're asking God for stuff, we're fighting Christ in prayer. Because the very thing he is praying for, we are standing next to him praying against. 
And please, God, make me rich. And God is, and Christ is there saying, please, God, make him humble. And he's saying, please, God, uh, let all my friends treat me this way. And he's sitting there praying, please, Father, teach him how to love his enemies. And the very thing that we are praying for is the very thing that he's praying against. So what I'm saying is the word of God is the key to aligning the two together. I do not want to be fighting the son of God in my prayers to the father. That's not a recipe for success in any area. So the key is I need to align my will with his will. And the way I do that is when I read his word. And then I see how he looks at the lost. I see how he looks at injustice, how he looks at people who treat the little guy this way or people who make differentiation between rich and poor. I see how he looks at, 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 at the lustfulness, okay, and the, the different garbage that's in the world today. When I see these things, it transforms me, aligns my will with his. Third one, this is kind of the catch-all. The key to achieving success in life is the word of God. You say, Father Anthony, that's taking a little bit of liberty right there, huh? Like you just say, you meditate on the word of God, you'll be successful in any area. We're gonna start getting promotion, we'll start be whatever. Well, you know what? It sounds a little bit much for me to offer, but I'm not saying it based on my own word, I'm saying it based on the scripture. There's only one verse in the entire Bible that promises success in this way. This says, you will have success. And look what it's connected to. Joshua 1.8, this book of law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. Not read it, but meditate in it day and night. Chew and re-chew like the cow. You shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. I didn't say that reading the Bible today means you're gonna get promoted tomorrow. I didn't say that. But the word of God says that if we meditate on the word day and night, then we will achieve success in life. That's God's promise, not mine. So quick recap. What is Praying through scripture, it's three components. It's listen, meditate, respond in prayer. Okay, and in a minute, I'm gonna give you the challenge of exactly what I'm challenging you to do. It's listening, reading, meditate, chew, re-chew, swallow, come back, chew some more, let it be ruminating throughout the day, chew and re-chew, it's meditate, and then it's respond in prayer, which is what we kind of talked about before. Now, how do we do it? How do we do it? We kind of talked about what, talked about why, we talk about how. And for this, let me tell you a story about a guy named John. John was a young man, loved God very, very much, okay? But there came a point in time in his life where he was getting kind of stagnant spiritually. So what he decided he was gonna do is he was gonna take a personal retreat and go to the monastery. And when he went to the monastery, he decided he's gonna take like a week at the monastery, just kind of get away from it all, try to reconnect with God because he hadn't connected with God in a while. And he wasn't sure why, like where was the disconnect between him and God? He gets to the monastery. You know, when you go to the monastery, you have these pictures in your mind of these monks who are very spiritual and, 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 and you wanna like go and like say, you know, teach me something and like be a disciple of like an old monk. Well, he gets there and he says, you know, I wanna be discipled by a monk this week. So they say, okay, you're gonna get monk so-and-so. And monk so-and-so walks in and he's automatically like disappointed right off the bat because monk so-and-so is young. He's not old, like he wanted an old guy. And he's like, he doesn't look like, you know, like the spiritual guys, the ones like limping and with the cane. Like he wanted one of those guys. He got this young guy who's like wearing sneakers. And he's like, how spiritual can the sneaker guy be? You know, I got gypped. You know, I got the rookie on training or I don't know what I got. But anyway, this is his monk guy, his guide. And he kind of sits with him and talks to him. And the monk gives him a homework assignment. He says, John, I want you to meditate 
on the story of the Annunciation, Luke chapter one, when Archangel Gabriel came to Virgin Mary and announced to her the good news that she will bear son, son of God. I want you to meditate on that story of the Annunciation. So John says, okay, no problem. And he says, I want you to meditate on it the rest of today and then come back to me tomorrow and share with me what you learned. So John says, okay, this is easy. You know, John has read this story many times. He used to be a Sunday school teacher, so he taught stories about it. Like, this is easy. John goes to his little room, and he reads the story, as he's already read it a thousand times, and he's breaking it down and cross-references over here and Greek what not over here and insights, and he's got all this stuff, and he's got his PowerPoint and his handout, and he's got his stuff ready, and he's going to go wow this monk tomorrow with his great interpretation and understanding of the story of the Annunciation. Goes back the next day, shares all the stuff with the monk. The monk is not nearly as impressed as John is with himself. And the monk asks him a question. He says, John, what was your goal in, in reading? What was my goal? What was your goal in reading that passage? And he said the goal was to understand it. And the monk says, no. You had the wrong goal. And John is really confused because he's like, if you're not reading to understand, what are you reading to do? And the monk says to him this. He says, go back and read it again. And don't tell me what it says. Tell me what it means. Don't tell me what it says. Tell me what it means. And John looked at the monk kind of the way you're looking at me. Like, what's the difference? John goes back to his room. And John struggled with this. And he came back to the monk. I don't know what this means. I've read it a thousand times. I, I, I don't know what you mean. And the monk gave him this advice. He said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to read the story again, slowly. And after every verse, say a prayer. After every verse, say a prayer. Read a verse, say a prayer. Read a verse, say a prayer. So John starts doing this. And it's awkward, but he's trying to like be obedient. And then all of a sudden, he gets to the verse where St. Mary, the end of the story, when the, when the angel came to her and said, you're going to be the, the mother of the Son of God, she said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. At that moment, when he read that word, when he read those words, something clicked. And a light bulb went off. And he realized something. That he wasn't reading Mary's story. He was reading his own. And he realized at that moment that God was calling him to something. God was actually calling him to the priesthood. God was telling him, I have a mission for you. And you're going to carry me to the ends of the earth. And a moment when he read that and he said that prayer, all of a sudden realized it came to life. This is why he's been stagnant. This is why he's been distant because he's been resisting the will of God. And now all of a sudden it became crystal clear. Then all of a sudden he said, oh no, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I don't know how to be a priest and all the challenges and the fears and all that stuff. So he went and he said, let me stick with the exercise. And he went back and started reading the story again and every verse after praying. And then he saw as he was reading it and rereading it that Virgin Mary expressed concerns. That when the angel said to her, you're going to bear the son of God. She said, how can this be? But I don't know, man. And I'm just a young girl. And I don't know how this is going to be. And he took very, great comfort in that. Because again, now he's not reading her story. He's reading his story. And then he gets to the verse. Where the angel says to her, you have found favor with God. And he broke down in tears. And he realized at that moment that the word of God was not a story. But it was his story. And he saw his own life unfolding in front of him. I'm inviting you to do the same thing. To stop asking, what does it say? And start asking, what does it mean? 
don't tell me what the Bible says. We know what it says. Tell me what does it mean? Is the difference between knowledge and application? Is the difference between theory and practical? We need to move from reading the Bible for breadth and reading for depth. And I'm not saying the breadth is bad. Breadth is good. Like when reading the story as a church family, that's breadth. That's an overview, and that's important, but that's not the same. Like these you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Don't do one or the other. We need to challenge ourselves to read for depth and to say in this passage, God, what are you trying to say to me today through this? How is my day, how is my Monday, March 12th, tomorrow, how is my Monday, March 12th, supposed to be any different based on this passage right here? How do we do that practically? The way to do that practically, like John did, we have to put ourselves in the passage. We have to interact and engage with the passage as if we are in it. You say, what does that mean? Let me tell you exactly what this means. You've seen this before. You may have done this before. You know the people who when they're watching the movie or the TV show, talk at it like oh no watch out like look out behind you no why did you say that you know those people you are those people like you know those my wife always tells me that i'm funny like that because that's why i am with sports i'm like look out even though i'm watching a game like on tape like on dvr so it's like six hours later but i, I feel like if i yell loud enough through the tv that cousins will hear me or something like that that's what i'm saying we need to do with the word of god we need to be inside it and make it our story and we need to interact with it so when we see this happen we say oh no watch out don't do that oh no that's a mistake moses don't do that oh no 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 and we need to be engaged in it you read the story of abraham and isaac don't read it as abraham's story read it as your story it's not god calling abraham to sacrifice his son it's god what are you call, calling me to sacrifice you don't read the story of noah as this kooky old guy who built an ark in the middle of the desert you say god where am I resisting what you're calling me to go against the world in? You're challenging me to be against the world in something. And where am I resisting it? You read the New Testament, the gospel, and you see Jesus preaching to the disciples. No, 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 not the disciples, to us. And we're listening. And they're talking about their fears. He's talking about my fears. They're talking about what they're worried about. And those are my worries. You read the story of the Samaritan woman. Jesus coming to the Samaritan woman and offer her life, water. And you read in that, you see in her what you see in yourself, a desperate, desperate need for Jesus in your life. One author wrote, he said, the word of God is autobiographical because it's a story of my life. Word of God is an autobiography about me and you. I'll give you a nice quote here from a church father named St. John of Dalata lived in the eighth century. Look at this, this is so beautiful. I'm gonna read this slow. You're gonna visualize this because this is what he's talking about when he's talking about, this is how we read the scripture. When you read the scripture, you hold him in your arms like Mary, his mother. Enter with the Magi and offer your gifts. It's the wise men. Proclaim his birth with the shepherds. Proclaim his praise with the angels. Carry him in your arms like Simeon the elder. Take him with Joseph down to Egypt. When he goes to play with little children, look how beautiful this is. Steal him up and kiss him. Sit with him in the temple and listen to the words coming from his mouth while the astonished teachers listen. When he asks, when, when he asks, when he answers, listen and marvel at his wisdom. Isn't that a beautiful image? That when we're reading about little baby Jesus, 
We're not just reading the story. We're not just watching a movie. We step in there. And when the, when the wise men are offering, we're offering. And when the angels are singing, we're singing. And when, little Mary's, hold, when Mary's holding a little baby, we're holding a little baby too. It's beautiful, isn't it? Is that how you read the Bible? Don't read for breadth, read for depth. Don't focus on what it says. Focus on what it means. Don't just read it, pray it. Now, how are we gonna do that practically? Here's the challenge for the week. Last week, I asked you for 12 minutes. I think it went well. I'm gonna ask you for another 12 minutes this week. I know 12 minutes is a lot. I know, so so far I'm up to 24 minutes is what I'm challenging you to do. If you absolutely can't do what I'm about to say, I'm gonna say 12 minutes a day for five days. If you can't do it, at least commit to three times a week. This is what you're gonna do. You're gonna set aside 12 minutes. And during those 12 minutes, you're going to do exactly what I just said. You're gonna listen. You're gonna meditate and you're gonna respond in prayer. I'm gonna challenge you that, that this week, you set aside the time. And why I say set aside the time? Because it's important that you give yourself a set amount of time so you don't cheat. Because if you say, I'm gonna read, and I'm gonna meditate, and I'm gonna respond in prayer, however long it takes, it's gonna take a minute. You say, I'm gonna sit here by myself for 12 minutes, so I might as well make the most out of this. You know when you make a cup of tea? Okay, and you put the, like the tea bag, you don't just, right? Like that's a cheap cup of tea, right? That's what we do when we, you know, we, the people we don't like, we give them like each get a dip of the same because we don't waste a tea bag. That's what my wife does, but don't tell you, okay? You don't do that. You do what? You, yeah, yes, steep. Isn't that called steep? Okay, and you give it some love, you know what I mean? And you cover it. Okay, you put the, the, the bottom of it on top of it, right? Like that's the real stuff. And then even when, when you take the tea bag out, what do you do? You do the wrap around the spoon thing and squeeze, you know what I'm saying? Like you get the maximum juice out of that tea bag. You wanna get every drop of, 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 of delicious goodness out of the dirt in that tea bag or whatever it may be. That's what we need to be with the word of God. We need to set aside the time and let the word of God steep. Let it steep. Don't just dip and run. Don't just dip and run. Don't just read and say, no, oh, no, no. Read it, and then read it again, and then respond, and then read it again, and then read it again, and then close your eyes, and then picture, and then read it again. If you want to do the, the, the pray through every verse, my, more power to you. Let me tell you what helps me. Okay, my, my personal system, I read every morning. Right now I'm reading the Psalms. Okay, so you have to have, oh, that's the other thing. You have to have a plan of what you're gonna read. You have to set aside the time. You have to know what you're gonna read. You can do anything you want. Okay, if you're new to this whole thing, okay, you've never done this thing, I would recommend getting like a devotional, all right, where it has like a passage and then like a meditation, but make sure you read the, the passage. Don't just read the, the meditation part. The meditation part, like the author's words, that should be like the last minute or two, but you should really like delve into the word of God and, and, and go deeper, okay? There's our daily bread is a good one. Uh, Jesus calling is a good one. Or you can like start and just say, I wanna read the New Testament, I wanna read the gospel. It's a great place to start. I'm doing the Psalms, like I said, whatever, it doesn't matter. But the goal is shorter, deeper, as opposed to longer and superficialer. You know what helps me? I read a Psalm every day, okay? And I try to go deeper on that Psalm. First thing I do is I read it three times before I've done anything else. So I read it, then I read it, and then I read it. So I have to read it three times before I've even begun to think and meditate. I read it three times. And what I do, especially on that last one, is I read it aloud. Not like aloud, like blessed isn't, not like that, but like, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the Like with a soft voice. Because when you say it with a voice, you know your brain works faster 
than your mouth. So if you just read it, your brain goes, but if you force your mouth, then you slow your brain down because your brain wants to go faster, but your mouth, and he's like, hurry up, hurry up. But your mouth's like, this is how fast I'm going. This is the only pace I could go. So you force your brain to slow down by saying it out loud. I also do that with my prayers too, by the way. When I pray like the Igbe, the book of hours, I, when I find myself distracted, I pray in a soft voice. Not like that the neighbors can hear me, but just pray in a soft voice, okay, so that I can hear myself, okay? It's a good way to make it tangible. And then once you've done that, okay, you've read it, you've read it, you've read it, you've read it out loud, then you meditate. And you start to go back. And the key to meditation, like I said with, when I said St. Mary with, the, with Jesus, is ask questions. Why do you say this verse right here? And God, why, like I'm reading the Psalms, why did you leave David to suffer so much when he was your anointed man? Why does David pray this prayer? Like you ask questions of the text. You put yourself in there. So you know what? I know how that feels. Another thing I'd recommend, all right, I'll put it on your handout at the bottom of your handout is Psalm 1. is a great way to open up your meditation time, just the first two verses, all right? And it says there, put it in the bottom of your handout. It says, blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord. Blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord. He will be like a tree planted by streams of water, which bears its fruit in season. His leaf will not wither. His leaf will not wither. Whatever he does shall prosper. Nice to put myself in that context. Nice to stop for like a minute before I rush in and just take a minute and say, hey, wait a minute. What I'm doing right now, if I can meditate on this thing, this is the key to success in life. You listen, you chew. You reach you, you reach you some more, and then you lift your heart up to God and you respond in prayer. I personally, I like to respond in prayer in writing. Again, it makes my thoughts slow down. So I write my prayers at the end of my quiet time. You don't have to do that, but whatever, whatever works for you. But what you have to do is this. What you have to do is this. You have to realize that we aren't just reading words. We are seeking the word through words. All of the scripture is revealing Christ, the word of God. And it reveals him through words on paper. The goal is not the words. The goal is the word who is revealed through the words on the paper. One of my favorite stories of all time in the Bible. Give you a good image to leave with. One of my favorite stories is the story in the Old Testament where God sent manna from heaven to the Israelites in the wilderness. Every day for 40 years, they wake up, say, what are we going to eat today? God brings down bread from heaven. All they need to do is get up, go outside, and pick it up. And they had enough bread to eat that day. And it was, they said, the food of angels. You know what I love about that story, about that miracle? Is that God did it as only God can do it. If it was me and you planning this miracle, I would plan it much different than God. I would be much more efficient. I would say, God, why are you going to bring it down every day and make them get up and walk all the way out in the hot sun every day? What I'd say is, let's make this more efficient. Let's do batch processing. Like, let's get a large-scale manufacturer, you know what I mean, and do it in bunches, and every week, you know, drop a package, you know, on someone's door, you know, and you can probably get cheaper shipping that way or whatever it may be, and, and, and why... Why every day, like, they got to get up and get it, and you got to bring it down, like, very inefficient. You know why? God is trying to teach us something. Through that story, teaches us something. 
Every day, I promise you, every day, and I wish I could look everyone in the eye right here. If I could, I would. Every single day, God has a perfect, custom, angel food meal for each and every single one of us. Perfect meal for every one of us. Perfect. Not batch, like custom, just for you. Your, as you say, our daily bread. Every single day. And some days, because God knows what's ahead. This day, she needs a little bit of extra wisdom. I'm going to put a little extra wisdom in that bucket. And this day, he needs a little bit of extra patience because, you know, it's math homework day. So math homework day is patience day. Or he's going to need a little bit of, of, of self-control this day. Or he's going to need some encouragement this day. Or he's going to need a kick in the pants this day. God knows every day what we need. And every day he delivers us a fresh meal of exactly what we need. And every day that goes by that we don't open his word is the day we walk right by the meal. And then we go through our day and say, where are you, God? Why? You leave me. Why? Why the devil is strong and I am weak? Why you leave me without guidance? Guidance? If the Israelite had gotten the end of the day and said, God, you left me hungry, they'd have smacked him in the head. said, no, son. Did you get up in the morning the way you were supposed to and go collect your daily bread? The Israelites knew that their malnutrition was their fault, not God's. Our problem is, we blame our malnutrition on God. But not anymore. So what we're going to do is we're going to challenge ourselves this week. 12 minutes a day. If you're going more than 12 minutes a day, don't go down. Keep going that direction. So if you're doing more, more power to you. But I'm saying those who are beginning, go 12 minutes a day. We're going to set aside the time, whatever time, morning, afternoon, evening, whatever time works for you. And I would say to you, if you say, I've failed at this before, I've tried and I failed, I would say the first thing you do, shift the time. You say, I've tried to get up before work and read the Bible. I say to you, don't do it before work. Do it at lunch. No one cares, okay? Like no one can see you, just whatever. Just sneak away into your car. Do whatever it takes. Just pretend you're on the, like whatever, okay? I can give you all kinds of tips on how to get out of work without getting in trouble, okay? You put your coat on the chair. You walk to the bathroom like this. And you say, oh, you know, and they know you're fasting. So, and you go whatever do you want. Everyone, we're happy that you're 12 minutes a day. We're gonna set aside the time. And we're gonna collect our daily bread. We're going to listen to the word of God. We're going to meditate. We're going to respond in prayer. We are never going to say, God, why did you not give me? What we are going to say is, why did I was stupid enough to not collect? It's never that God didn't give. It's never that God didn't speak. It's that I didn't go. It's that I was rushing. And I was never silent enough to get it. This week, we're going to change that. We're going to calm ourselves down. We're going to slow our minds down. We're going to find the word through these words. Let's stand together for prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the words that you have inspired men to write and deliver to us on the pages of Scripture. We thank you that we can find you every single day in your word. Help us, Lord, this week especially, to be disciplined and to have like a, a good plan to be able to spend that time with you. We know we're going to be distracted. We know we're going to get tempted. We know we're going to be busy, Lord. But we're committed to hearing your word. And we're committed to aligning ourselves and our mind with you and your will and your mind. Help all my brothers and sisters this week, Lord, to fulfill this challenge. We pray this in the name of your son, the prayers of all of your saints. Here says, we pray thankfully, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. 
And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.